Welcome to the Awaken Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Nancy Walters. Get ready to create magic and miracles as you lean into your heart's desires. I believe not only does the heart want what it wants, but it knows. This show is a weekly deep dive into what it means to live from an awakened heart. I'll be sharing inspiring stories and real conversations with people just like you who have turned the ordinary into the extraordinary. My mission is to show you how you too can be connected and heart-centered in every area of your life. Your journey to aligning with more love, more joy, and your wildest dreams come true starts now. Welcome back to the Awaken Heart Podcast. And as I'm recording this, I am very happy to see sun streaming through my windows. Here in the Pacific Northwest, it's been a very, very long winter. And it feels like it started raining in September. And it hasn't stopped with a few bouts of sun here and there. Now I just got back from Florida and I spent a week and a half in glorious sunshine and blue skies with some thunderstorms here and there that would just roll in and roll out. And then I come back here and I've been freezing cold and about to lose my mind. I can't wait for the summer, which is really close by and it's going to be beautiful and green and the air is going to be so fresh. So I'm really looking forward to that. But since it's spring and this is something that we're seeing happening all over the world, all over the country, people are returning back to work as the pandemic is all those lockdowns and all the restrictions have begun to loosen. People are returning to the workforce. I mean, Um, People are hiring like crazy. People are going back into the office. But as we've seen over the last couple of years, business is done completely different. People were remote. They were not even hybrid. Now there's like more of a hybrid work, but they were remote. And having to go back into like, say, an eight to five workplace and working into a box, the system is changing. Everything's going to be done a lot differently. People have really enjoyed their freedom and flexibility of being able to do your work, but still being able to be home with the kids or home with the pets and and be able to maybe run your errands and still get your work done. And that leads to the women in the workforce. Like women have a gift in their heart. And there's been, in the corporate world especially, it's very masculine-based energy. It's a corporate structure is very patriarchy. And what's happening now is we are at a pivotal turning point in our history where something needs to be changed, where something needs to change about how work is done and how the world is run. It's been run on a lot of masculine energy. Because of that, like we are seeing wars, we're seeing a lot of division, we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, old paradigms that are not working anymore. And it needs to change in our world. The very survival of our species and our spiritual evolution of our souls depends on it. So what is the solution? It's the rise of the divine feminine. We are seeing divine feminine rising back to her rightful place. And with that brings, instead of a control-based system and where it's more logical and reason, the divine feminine brings more intuitive. Um, she brings authentic expression. It's creative, receptive, open energy. 
which also brings a lot of unity and collaboration. So much more intuitiveness, more flow, which replaces an egotistical, aggressive competitiveness that we see in a lot of workforces today. And there's ways to bring this into the workplace. And a lot of work environments are embracing this and are even teaching this. Now, there's divine feminine that is inherent to women, but there's also divine feminine in the masculine structure. Like we need both in order to survive the masculine and the feminine. And um, that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to change your sex or whatever. You could still be very masculine and still have a lot of femininity in you and still be very masculine because it's a balance of the two. And we have that as women inside us as well. With us today is Dr. Robin McKay, who is a global expert on human potential and highly esteemed advisor to emotionally intelligent executives, Fortune 500 leaders, and spiritual entrepreneurs and coaches. At the age of 29, Robin left her steady job and stable marriage to break out of the workplace matrix, build her own business, heal her corporate trauma, and help high-achieving women rise to the next level through a science-backed approach to spiritual intelligence and energy work. Robin is also the host of her own successful podcast, Mindset Rx, and co-author of Smart Girls in the 21st Century, Understanding Talented Girls and Women. She empowers people every day to release societal pressures around gender and step into their power as an integrated, self-actualized soul. In this episode, we're going to dive into the spiritual intelligence for soulful success and how to tap into your emotional and spiritual intelligence to turn your work into your soul's calling, remove your blocks to fulfillment, and redefine what success means for you in your ascension process. We will also learn how focusing on our heart, which has the wisdom to make clear and wise, courageous decisions that are in alignment with our heart's desire. It's an integration of science and spirit. There is this beautiful quote by Lucy H. Pierce from The Burning Woman that I'm going to read before we bring on today's guest. It says, the deep feminine, the mystery of consciousness, she who is life, who is longing for our transformation as much as we are. She holds back, allowing us free reign to choose, nudging us occasionally with synchronicities, illness, births, and deaths. But when we make space for her, she rushes into all gaps, engulfing us with her desire for life and expression. This is what she longs for. This is what we are for, experiencing the feminine through ourselves. We simply need to slow down and find where to put our conscious attention. So when I slow down and I breathe that in, so beautiful. I know you're going to enjoy this one. And here is today's guest, Robin McKay. Hi, Robin. Welcome to the Awaken Heart Podcast. I'm so happy to be here with you. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. And uh, I feel that this is such an important topic for all of the women in the world today because women have been doing it all for so long and taking care of the family, going out into the workforce and doing essentially um, doing it all, doing a man's job and trying to live in a man's world. And we need to slow down and come into like our inner wisdom and what is our heart really calling us to do? Now we can go into the workforce and 
bring our femininity into it without being lost into like the patriarchy and the man's world. Welcome to the Awakened Heart Podcast, Robin. So happy to be here with you. I feel this is a really important topic for all the women that are out there because we have been doing it all for so long. Like we've been mothers, you know, we're taking care of the family. We're going out in the workforce. We're providing our bread and butter. We're like wives. And there's a point where we really need to slow down and really come back to our femininity, our feminine essence. You can bring that out into the workplace, but there is a certain time when we have a calling of our heart to do something different, to do something that our soul is calling us to do. And Robin is helping women actualize that and bring it into fruition because I find it's so important, especially now in the last two years to see how the world has played out. It seems like things are accelerating at a fast pace and it's needed more now than ever for women to rise into their purpose and to bring that out into the world. And Robin, you help women do that. You have a background in the corporate world and you had to recover from that. And you decided to follow that, which you were really being called and guided to do. So before we dive into how you can help women to really drop into their power and bring their gifts out to the world. Can you kind of give a background of how you were in the corporate world and then how, what led you to giving that up and really living into your heart's purpose? I'm happy to. I was loving listening to your opening salvo on what we're going to talk about today, because I think it's such an important conversation, especially now in the last two years, if one thing the pandemic did for us. It's create the conditions to really look inside of ourselves and to stand at an existential crossroads and to ask deeper questions like, is this all there is? And knowing the answer already, which is, yes, there's much more, darling. And that's where I was, oh gosh, over half my life. No, not quite half my life ago, I guess, in my 20s when I burned out for the first time. I was a science girl. I still am a science girl, to be honest. But I worked early in my career in the biotech and pharmaceutical industries as a mm. medical writer, as a clinical scientist. I was even in a lab for a while working with really kind of dangerous microorganisms as well, long before all the nonsense of what's transpired in the last couple of years. And, you know, I think that for me at that time in my life, I'm from Gen X and as a Gen Xer, as a smart girl from Gen X, we all got tracked into a couple of different areas. You'd be a doctor, you'd be an attorney, you'd be an engineer. And they were all primarily dominated by men at that time and continue to be in some ways. Medicine has shifted quite a bit, but um, the sciences and engineering are still pretty heavily populated by men. And um, so I had to figure out early on how to be myself, even in this, this world where there was a primacy on reason, on logic, on science, and on the largely masculine and patriarchy, uh, patriarchal way of doing things in the world. And I think that's what ended up creating the conditions for me to burn out because I was doing so much, so much, so much, so much, trying to prove myself, trying to prove how smart I was, kind of steeped in the imposter syndrome. 
And at the same time, knowing that I was supposed to be doing something, what I would have called important at that time. I think my definition of importance has changed over the course of my life, but that's really where I started. And when I burned out at 28, one of the questions I did ask myself was, is this all there is? Because if this is it, this sucks. And it wasn't that my life was bad. Certainly I was doing quite well. I was married to my college sweetheart and we had to create a, a nice life for ourselves in, in Kansas City. And But I was driving 45 minutes to work each way. And I was waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning with racing thoughts. And rather than trying to go back to sleep, I would just get up, get showered, get to work before and beat the traffic before everybody started coming to work. So there was a lot of that early in my life. And a lot of that came out of the Midwest work ethic. A lot of that came out of just how I was raised to be able to do it all and be it all, all at the same time. That was kind of the mantra, I think, from my childhood. There was this advertisement when I was a little girl, the Ginate, maybe you remember it, the Ginate commercial, I can bring home the bacon fried up in the pan. I can bring home Never let you forget you're a man. Like, what was that? Because I'm a woman, (laughs) (laughs) W-O-M-A-N. Yeah, so that was where I was. That's where I came from. And as we continue our conversation, I know that we'll talk about where, where I headed from there too, but I'll just, I'll just pause there and see what your impressions are. Yes. I believe that the feminist movement, while it had so many great things it brought, it really took away from us really being really authentically and true and put us into the, you know, the pants, so to say of, a man's world because before like one of the most important things was raising your family and having a family structure and you could still you know go out there and do your work but it's it really puts so much pressure on women to like we were saying to to really do it all and they lost a piece of themselves and a striving to be something that they thought should, they should be instead of really really tuning into their intuition, which is so important to really tap into what your soul is really calling you to do. And we are, you know, there's the divine feminine that is rising in our world today. And I feel that it's really purposely being probably kept down or been diminished and there's well, a whole, attack and in yeah, some cases, attack it's even. womanhood mm-hmm. is being attacked mm-hmm. and even those commercials where you're saying you're a woman now mm-hmm. are being <laughs> we're, we're the definition of woman they're trying to you know squash that again they're trying to keep it down with this whole trans movement i have to say it you know people can be whatever they want to be but it's like you can't even say woman anymore i am a woman and um i think it's yeah i think it's there's, there's a, a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure for people to try to figure out where they fit into the world. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a um, current obsession with labeling that probably has already been there, but it's it's really come to the fore in terms of understanding who I am in my identity. And here's the thing that, so I, I got my PhD in counseling psychology and I focused on specifically the gifted and talented segment of the population. So people who have really fast brains in their heads, who make sense of things very quickly, know what to do about them. And what I came to realize about the women who I worked with, who identify either as high potential or high performing or even gifted, um, is that they're more 
and this is this is a long time coming in the history of gifted and talented girls and women that they're more like boys than they are like average girls. So already within the group of people that I work with, that I serve in my executive coaching practice and in my transformational coaching practice, we're already more like men than we are like average women anyway. And then when you get, when you place yourself in a field where you're one of few, one of the only women at the table, one of the only women in the organization or in leadership, it becomes really pretty easy to just flex into that masculine energy, that doing the creating the, the power of masculinity, I guess, is, is a good way of putting that. And one of the things that my co-author on my book, Smart Girls in the 21st Century, wrote in the first edition of that book, she said, women don't need remedial masculinity lessons. And I think that we're still trying to tease that apart and what that means for women who are in the workplace, who are in leadership. And what does it mean to be a leader who's in her femininity when the very notion of femininity is being attacked and, and criticized and, and squashed in some ways? So it's a, mm -hmm. it's a conundrum for sure. So how would... You were in the corporate world before, and a lot of mm -hmm. women are moving out to it to create their own soul-based business, solopreneur, I don't know how to say that, a solo, how do you say that? Solopreneur. Thank you. Solopreneur. There you yeah. go. Yes. Yeah. So going into that corporate structure, how would a woman, because a lot of people are returning back to work, whether it's like a hybrid or it's, you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, remote or in the office, how do they bring their femininity and still stay in their power in a corporate structure? Well, I think the first thing that we have to look at is understanding what the definitions of masculinity and femininity are. And I think that we're in a place in the world where there's a lot of distortions and a lot of misunderstandings, misapplied and misidentified understandings of what it means to be feminine or what it means to be masculine. So the first thing that we need to do is look at what are the traumas that are creating the conditions for those distortions to even be in place. Some of them are traumas actually, and some of them are actually programs, I think, from whatever this matrix is that we're living in. So there's a lot of confusion there. And I think that it depends, doesn't it, on each individual person in terms of what that looks like. But here's what I know for sure is that when we bring in flow, when we bring in hope, when we bring in optimism, when we bring in emotional intelligence to the workplace and we start honoring that in ourselves first without asking anybody else to change anything. If we just step into whatever venue we're in and we take ownership of those assets that we have access to. That already changes the relationship that we have with work, that we have with masculinity and femininity. Does that make sense why I say that? Yes, because it's it's knowing who you are and knowing what femininity, what, what masculinity is and taking that and it's an emanating outward, right? Isn't that what mm -hmm. you're talking about? It's yeah. like a truth, knowing the truth of who you are, mm -hmm. that all these other things that are coming at you, you're still standing in your power and it radiates outward and it influence, influences those around you. Sure. Let me give you an example of how that shows up. I have been doing this work for a long time, 22 years since my transformation and, you know, my awakening and all the things that I went through early on. And I got my PhD. I'm an accomplished 
I'm an accomplished human being. And I was in a meeting with a top level leader, a man in an organization that had asked me to come in and do some trainings for the organization around positive psychology, optimism, hope, that kind of thing. And not even like the real deep, you know, spiritual intelligence ideas that I can certainly dive into. And he kept on saying to me in our initial meeting, well, that's a little bit too woo-woo for me. Well, that's Mm -hmm. a little bit too emotional for me. Well, that's a little bit too touchy-feely for me. And I got, I had the opportunity in that time I spent with him as he was deciding whether or not to allow me to have access to his people to teach about positive psychology. I had the opportunity to really sit with, am I willing to work with somebody who continues to denigrate the very things that I hold precious and dear and that I have worked for 22 years to develop, cultivate, and master in my own life? And the answer was, no, I am not willing. So that opportunity dissolved. And I was, I'm sad for the people in his organization because there are a lot of women in his organization who are hungry for this message. And yet there was something blocking him from allowing something as beautiful as creativity, flow, intuition, hope, well-being, optimism into his organization, which says a whole lot about his leadership style, in my opinion. Having said that, I think that not every body in corporate is going to be open to emotional intelligence intuition and so on. But for me in that moment, I had the opportunity to take a stand for what I believed in and to no longer be complicit with the propagation that, uh, that in the belief that those abilities are woo-woo or too touchy-feely because they're actually very human experiences mm-hmm. that we all have access to. So I actually use that as a challenge and I transform that into a very empowering opportunity for me to just take a stand for what I know to be true and then to seek out new opportunities with people who are aligned with understanding, yes, these are important assets and we require these in the corporate space right now. So it was a very, that was kind of a turning point in my career just in the last couple of years. This is during the COVID era that I was having these conversations. And I think that we can do a lot as, as women and as leaders to just take a stand for the things that we hold precious and dear, like intuition, like our femininity, and make sure that we are, we are leading in that area rather than acquiescing or ducking and covering when somebody comes, we come up against somebody who's opposed to it. Now, do you see that changing and um, changing and morphing into this in the corporate structure? You're seeing it being implemented and accepted? Um, There are some organizations, some top organizations in the world who are very available and open to it. In fact, the ones who I'm working more closely with are, you know, big tech companies and they have women in leadership who have the courage and and the dollars to be able to invest in their people through programs that emphasize and encourage emotional intelligence. For example, that's a very basic ability, but it's something that we have to start talking about in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, to be honest, of the opinion that I don't, I don't think that when we talk about collapsing the systems and structures in corporate, I'm kind of like, what, can we just abandon them and create something new? 
because the people who are going to press against these new ideas and these new ways of doing work are the ones who benefit from how things are right now. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that I want to arm wrestle them. I think that there's something about, can we create something new? And what does that look like? What does the organization of the future look like? What does work in the future look like? Those are the questions that I'm always asking and that my clients and my colleagues are asking as well. How can we create something new mm-hmm. that's never even been thought of before, but is so healthy and so honoring, not just of the divine feminine, but the divine masculine as well. Mm-hmm. And that integration of the two. And how do you see that happening? Because we're seeing a collapse of everything that we, especially it's been happening a long time, but like we said, the last two years, it's been right in front of all our faces. The way people work has been completely different and the things people are aching for, I think has really come to the forefront. How do we begin to create these new systems? I mean, there's already people that are leading the way to it, but like in a corporate structure with people are still tied to, how do we see that? Like, what are the steps to creating these new systems? I love that you asked that question because one of the things that I'm talking about a lot right now is returning to the office. Mm -hmm. And there are myriad of opinions about how that's meant to be done. We already know that there's no playbook for it, but there was a playbook for going to the office circa 2019. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways that we start shifting. I like to talk about timeline jumping, actually just jump the timeline from the old timeline of how we did things to the new timeline of how things are going in the future in terms of our relationship with time, money, and work in particular. And so when I talk about going back into the office, some of the fears that come up are things like, I don't want to go back to the way things were. I like my life now. I like how my day is flowing. My kids are, you know, they're home, they're back in school. I'm still at home working. I go out and walk the dog. I come back and I do a meeting, whatever. Like I have so much more control and flexibility in my schedule than I ever had before at work. And now they're asking, they are asking me to go back into the office. And so there's a lot of resistance to that. So I think that one of the first steps is know and honor your resistance because in your resistance, there's wisdom, isn't there? When you know what you don't want, you can start looking at and asking a different question, which is what do I want instead? And that's how we begin refining this process of abandoning the old system. Okay, well, I don't like that. So what do you like? What do you want? What is your best perfect day? in the future. I think that if we're really going to talk about the feminine assets or the intuitive assets of of a human being, it's the capacity to envision what's possible in the future. So the more time we spend envisioning, imagining what's possible, creating an air of optimism, an air of hopefulness about the future, that's what we're focusing on. And that's what can be created as a result of our focus and our ongoing focus and our ongoing commitment and dedication to that new way of working. But the last thing we want to do is just, you know, throw our hands up and say, okay, well, I guess I'll just go back to normal. I'll go back to the way things were. I don't want people to recreate the wheel. And I think that at least 
the circles that I'm running in, nobody wants to recreate the world wheel. They want to do things differently. The big question mark is how and what's the best way. And that's where we actually start is by living in the question of what's the best way to do this. Living into the question and having curiosity mm-hmm. and really sitting there and really tuning into that because it's, it's so important. And I know that you help women to integrate that and return to their authenticity and, and helping them make that transition. What kind of women do you work with? The women who come into me, who engage my company are leaders, usually in tech and healthcare. So think female engineers and physicians, although there are others besides that, but those are the two major groups of women who come in. They are high achievers, they're high performers, they're go-getters, and they have been from the time they were little kids. They're often burned out. And I think that's the one thing that holds them everybody together in the community that I serve is that everybody's a little crispy around the edges. And they also know that they are meant to do something in the world that is important, not in an egoic way, but they're meant to make a contribution that matters. They're meant to make a life that matters. And they're asking deeper existential questions that I referred to earlier about what am I meant to be doing with my life? What is my purpose? They've also taken a look at the organizations that they're currently working for. And in some cases, the values that the organizations have don't line up with their own. So now they're looking for new opportunities. Where can I go to express my gifts? Where can I go to master the things that I came here to master? Sometimes they're finding that in other organizations. A lot of times they're finding that by making the leap out of the corporate space and into entrepreneurship, into consulting instead, so that they're adjacent to the the organizations, but they're not part of it. There's a lot of freedom there too. Mm -hmm. So they can still, you know, people are going back to their jobs and the corporations, Mm -hmm. but yet they can still, women can still dive into what is it that my soul is calling me to do? How do I align myself with those people? How do I bring it to fruition? Because we've seen a lot happen with the healthcare and, and schools. And a lot of people are being displaced because they're standing for their integrity for their bodies, integrity for the real truth that's out there, not standing in line for like a lot of indoctrination we're seeing in the school and what's being taught and what's happening in the world of quote unquote medicine. We're, there's all new systems that are being created with these people that have been displaced in health in um, what's happening in the corporate world, what's happening in the schools. And I believe there's going to be a whole new way of doing things and whole new positions and a lot of new jobs or a lot of new heart-based careers that are going to be happening because of it. I think so too. I think the, the awareness that we all need to have is how easy it is to grab the old playbook, grab the old instruction manual and use that instruction manual to create something new. Let me give you an example. There's a physician who's been working with me for a couple of years now, and her heart's desire was to leave healthcare and to move into a really innovative position, doing still using her abilities, using her credentials, but doing it in a whole new way. So she lands her, it's her dream job. It's the one that she knows that she was called to in all of her life. She knows that she was prepared for this job. 
she gets into the job and now there's all of this uncertainty. She was like, I don't know what, like, what do we do? Cause I don't have to punch the time clock and I don't have like all these, this busyness of healthcare. What do I do? And she was looking for and referring back to how things were in the healthcare system. And I said, wait, 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 time out. Let's burn the book. Let's burn the old playbook and look at, this is the position that you get to create and how deadening it is to your soul when your soul, when your intellect goes, okay, well, where's my playbook? Well, let me go grab this playbook from over here, the one that I know so well, and now I'm going to overlay it and apply it on this pristine position that has been created for me that I was invited into. She said, oh God, I don't want to do that. But she wasn't even aware that that was what her intellect was doing. It's so ingrained. So we have to be really mindful and aware of what am I creating? And am I using an old paradigm? I hate that word paradigm, but an old playbook or an old blueprint. We'll use that word instead and overlay that on a new way of working and being in the world. We have to be really aware, super conscientious about that. Otherwise, all we're doing is recreating the same thing again, mm-hmm. which is oh, the definition of insanity, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah, doing, I know the constricting feeling of not listening to soul's calling and like doing something, you know, the old way of doing mm-hmm. and staying in something that's so not aligned with you anymore. It's like Mm -hmm. suffocating. And then you, you know, you get the preferable two by four, that's going to hit you in the head. If you don't listen to that calling, because, um, if you don't listen to the first time that it's nudge, it becomes a push and then it becomes a clobber over the head. And so how do we navigate? How do we move into this? Because it can, we hear the call of our heart or we have this idea to create something beautiful that's aligned with our soul's purpose, but it can be so overwhelming to like, where do I start? How do I bring this into fruition? And there's like the tech start to, to like, you know, email lists and like, how do we create these programs and what platforms, how would you, how would you help someone navigate that process to get started first in a technical standpoint? So I always operate under the assumption that every, you can figure anything out Mm -hmm. and the tech stuff, I think gets to be a distraction because it's pretty simple. You may not even have to do it yourself. So we have to put that into perspective too, that are we looking at the things like list building and, you know, getting all of your backend stuff together as the distraction. It's definitely part of the structure of the business, the foundation of it. So I don't worry so much about that because I know that that can be, that's figure outable. Where I'm, where I spend my time with people who are just starting their businesses is getting to know the consciousness of their business. Mm -hmm. I believe that all of our businesses have a consciousness, even if they don't have a body, they're definitely alive and moving and they have a purpose. They have an assignment and you and the business have created a partnership, an energetic partnership. So really getting to know the business first. One of the best ways I know to do that is to actually start writing letters to the business and allowing the business to answer. So I'll give you an example in my own business. I have been 
being encouraged by my colleagues and, and my business to bring about more visibility for my business. And, you know, I like to do interviews and I like, and I love doing podcasts. I love connecting with people, but there's always been something inside of me that's like, oh, just, you know, people just hear about me word of mouth. And, and, you know, the truth is largely my business is referral based. There's somebody who works with me and she tells her colleagues, oh, you need to work with Robin. And then they come to me. So I've had some resistance to this visibility beyond what I'm already doing. So I was writing a letter to my business. I said, dear business, what's with this visibility thing? Like, why are we like, what is this? And my business responded and she was like, Robin, that's not you. That's me. I need that. I need that. And it shifted. I was like, oh, it's not even me. And if I'm in partnership with this consciousness that is my business and I'm not honoring the other beings, needs, desires, like what am I doing? Is, am I like, then am I recreating that old way of doing business where business is just a slave to me or something like that? I don't know. So it really shifted my perspective on why the visibility is so important in my, in my work right now, why it is important for me to have PR, why it is important for me to be connecting with other of others of my colleagues who are doing similar things to me and new audiences. And, and it, it's not for me, it's for my business because my business has a mission. My business has an assignment. I'm the emissary. I'm the one who shows up and does the the face of the business, but there's a consciousness here that I have to pay attention to. I choose to pay attention to, to be in partnership. So in writing the letters to and, and allowing the business to respond to you, you can develop a deeper understanding of what the business needs. And I think that what works for one business may not work for another business. It may not be aligned. So all of the, the tech stuff may not even be what your business needs to do. I've never, you mentioned TikTok, maybe before we started recording, yes. I've never been on TikTok <laughs> in my life. Like my nieces are there and my stepdaughter is there. And I'm like, oh, this is like a foreign planet to I me. I know I resisted for so long. <laughs> but you know, if it's, if it's aligned with who you are and what you're meant to be doing, then, and it, you know, if your people are there, then cool. Like that's the gift in bring our, our intuition into business is that we get to go where the intuition leads. My people are on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I spend, a, I do a LinkedIn live every Tuesday. That's where my people hang out. I have a Facebook group, as you know, my, my actualization zone. I do my weekly weather reports and talks in there for my, my community. Those are the places where I hang out. That's what lights me up to go into TikTok. I think that I don't, I'm, there's nothing. And when I tune into my business, my business is not like tapping me on the shoulder saying, go into TikTok. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But for yeah. you, if that's where your business is tapping you on the shoulder, then that's a, that's a really cool place for you to be. It's really not. That was from my, my head, like, well, <laughs> like the shoulds, there's views I should go on. And I was just like, ah, how do I yeah. manage this? Yeah. It doesn't really feel that aligned, but I'm like, okay, if there's another medium to, I just put one thing up mm -hmm. there. I'm like, if there's another medium, maybe it's there, but that's me going from my head and still listening to the shoulds and heart. Yeah, that was a should. Yeah. So I don't know what much I'm going to do with that because that medium doesn't, I don't, yeah, I mean, you don't know. And, and you can decide whatever you yeah. want it to be. If you decide you're going to go for it and light it up, then, you know, go for it and light it up and see what happens. You can, you're magical. So you can create that. 
And I think that to come back to whether you're staying in the corporate space or you're moving into entrepreneurship, it's so important to access and live into your intuition. That's what's going to save our souls is the intuition. The intellect is like, it's gotten us as far as it can. I love my intellect, by the way. It's not that at all. I mean, I wrote a book called Smart Girls, for God's sake, but um, my intellect has gotten me as far as it can get me. And trust me, my intellect has all kinds of opinions on what I need to be doing. But overthinking is such a, we think it's a key strategy for our business, but actually it's a paralytic to our business. So, mm-hmm. and we've all got, you know, we talk about like the masculine energy. Well, we do need that because there is a divine masculine and that gives us clarity, you know, inspired action comes through the masculine where the divine feminine is receptive and open. That's our intuition and listening to our heart. So we do need both, but I think we've leaned so much more into the other and gotten lost in that. Maybe it's the toxic masculine. We've gotten more, more lost in that. And we definitely do need the two. Yeah, I mean, we get caught in the hustle and grind and there are three words that really started showing up a lot in the last couple of years, grit, tenacity, and persistence. We need more grit, more tenacity, more persistence. I'm like, oh my God, if I hear those words one more time, I'm just going to like lose my mind. And I started looking at what do we need instead of that? Because those mindsets and practices that over that contribute to the overwork and contribute to the burnout. We can't continue at the torrid pace that we're, we're working at right now using only those three mindsets. And so what do we need instead? Well, we need flow. We need intuition. We need hope. We need gratitude. We need optimism. Those are the things that are required that are going to get us to wherever we're headed, whatever future we're, we're creating. I would really rather create the future with those, the elements of flow, creativity, intuition, gratitude and hope rather than grit, tenacity and hard work. Those are never going to go away, but we certainly don't need an excess of them at this point. We're needing more levity. We're needing more fun, joy, play. Those are the energies that are going to move the needle on our visions. Mm, Love that. Just hearing that, it just really resonates with my soul and my heart and you know, the grit and grind. I used to be in real estate for a long time. So you <laughs> know. Like, how, have I, how have I been this miserable? Like when I used to sell homes, like, oh, okay, I'll just sell a couple homes a year. It's just gravy. But when it got into the hustle, grit and grind, I felt like I was suffocating. And I'm like, God, how long have I been this miserable? Like, and I counted back to when I started doing it full time. It doesn't align with me. Like having, I've always had a sense of freedom and flow and just being able to enjoy and surrender when I can surrender, when I can surrender and trust things line up, like life just flows. When I'm really striving and pushing against and trying to control life comes to a grinding halt. So it's always a lesson for me. It's always a a meditation or it's always, I I don't want to say work, but it's always something that I'm leaning into that I have to lean into and, and keep reminding myself. And it's a practice to do that. Yes. It's interesting. You're, you were in real estate. My dad is a real estate broker and has been since I was a kid. I remember him studying for his exams and he is one of the most intuitive humans that I know. He was one of my first, he was my first intuition teacher. 
And depending on how you approach any field, whether it's real estate or coaching, or if you're in the corporate space, depending on how you approach these fields, you're going to have a certain experience. And so I watched him just be his intuitive self in real estate. He loves the land. He's so he sells uh, ranch land and he lives in the black Hills in South Dakota. So he sells cabins and he, Mm -hmm. he loves the land. His, my great grandfather is the first one to have settled on that land. We had a family cabin that was built way back in, you know, the early 1900s. So nobody knows the land better than my dad. And he'll tell me as an entrepreneur, he'll say, well, I wrote down Joe's name on a piece of paper the other day. And lo and behold, Joe called and wanted to list a property with me. Mm. I mean, that's how it works for him. And so I took, when I was starting my business, I took that advice and I started really accessing his way of doing business, the intuitive way of doing business that sure. I mean, he has to do details too, who doesn't but he's always just had this beautiful access to his intuition in business and it just flows. And then Kevin Costner's group calls and says, Hey, can you sell this land we have in the black Hills? And dad's like, sure. You know, so there's just this, um, this flow that he has with it. It doesn't work for everybody. If you're not in the right, how do I want to say this? If it's not lined up with your soul's blueprint, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love Does that, that. make sense? No, like, not to criticize your experience with real no. estate. It just says that that wasn't in your soul's blueprint. It was a should probably rather mm-hmm. than a, I know the land better than anybody. Mm-hmm. I love matching people with their beautiful dream homes. You know what I mean? Like those were the things that light him up. Mm-hmm but you yeah. have a different experience. And it's an that. environment that you're doing it as well. Cause when I was first doing it, it was my gravy. I was doing something else that mm-hmm. paid all the bills. And, and, you know, then I would sell a home and I loved everything about homes and beauty and taking care of a client and taking them through the process when I could do that at my own pace and like, okay, I'm ready for another one. It would come. It was beautiful. Yeah. But then I was trying to do it like as a grinding real estate agent, it just doesn't line up for me. Okay. You got one, get the next one, get the next one in Los Angeles and oh, a yeah, really crazy it. market. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then selling beach cities and everyone's at each other's throat. It didn't line mm-hmm. up with me. I still am licensed in California. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it up here in Oregon. So I'll always keep it. So when I can return to that, where I can like like your dad did write a name down and allow it to come to me and just let it flow. So when you were in your, Mm -hmm. you were in your intuition, you were in the feminine experiences when that was happening. And as soon as you shift into that toxic masculinity, bully, Mm -hmm. grucky, I don't even know what word to use for that. Cause it's so disgusting to me. Energy, like love you if well, you're in that energy and you throat, can survive that, but throat, the girl marketing, yeah. like that, like that whole thing is so it's, um, it's an old model. And those are the people who are going to rail against what we're talking about because they mm-hmm. benefit from why do they need that? Mm-hmm. That works for them. Cool. Okay. That works. It's not going to work for me. So I'm going to go do this thing over here and this thing over here, this beautiful thing that I've created is going to feed my soul and feed my bank account. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. So maybe I'll move into that wherever I move to next. (laughs) Uh, Definitely keeping the real estate, but doing it my way and not doing the way it should be. And I was doing it the way it should be. And that was according to some, you know, dude who decided to do it that way or something, who knows? Yeah. 
But I think too, to kind of bring this back to how, how I support people who are looking to actualize whatever that is, whether it's their dream business or their dream job, one of the first pieces of the methodology that I've developed is around alignment. A lot of that has to do with healing the traumas that you've experienced. So if you choose to go back into real estate, there's going to be some trauma level stuff that erupts like, you know, teenage acne around like, but I don't want to do it that way anymore, but I don't know how else to do it. So those are the opportunities that you have when you get triggered to look at what needs to be healed, what needs to be transformed. And so for all of those people who are going back into the office, that's an opportunity. What's coming up for you? What needs to be healed? What needs to be transformed? If we actually want to create something new, we've got to heal that the traumas that we've encountered along the way in order to create a clean slate to draw the future on. I love that. Mm. And you've got a lot of what's next for you. I know you have a lot of you know, programs. You have your um, the actualization zone and the weather report. I love that. Don't you have a podcast? Talk about intuitive. I do have a podcast too. It's yes. called Mindset RX. Mm-hmm. It's the sister podcast to my LinkedIn Live. So if you miss the LinkedIn Lives on Tuesdays at three Pacific, you can catch it on the podcast. And um, that really is about creating a positive, purposeful, and productive week, month, life, legacy, whatever it is, primarily geared toward the corporate set, especially high-achieving women in tech, healthcare, and other high-performing fields. Um, That one's just, it's such a fun one for me to do because I get to talk all positive psychology. I'm starting to introduce intuition to people in the corporate space. Intuition for you and me who have been doing this work for a while is like old hat, but it always surprises me how many people are still waking up to it. Still, even if they are intuitive and many of my clients who work in the corporate space are intuitive, they've put it behind the scenes and they place primacy on logic, reason, and intellect because that's what's acceptable and that's what's safe. And yet there is part of them who is so intuitive and they just know things without knowing why they know them. And I think that there's just this call for right now, the opening up of intuition in the corporate space. So that's the mindset RX. And then my actualization zone is the, it's a container for high achieving women who are intuitive and intelligent to, to get to know me, to get to know my work, to tune into the weather reports. I like to call it weather reports because I always loved the weather when I was a kid. And I tune into the non-physical energies to see what's going on, to get to start feeling into intuition and what that's like. And then what's next is the McKay Academy of Actualization that is coming soon. And that is where I'm going to take people through my entire methodology to actualize their greatest hopes and dreams. That is a labor of love. And that is something that I've been working 22 years to culminate and to, to bring into life. So that's what, that's, what's coming forward this later this spring. Mm, That's really exciting. I, I definitely want to find that and become a part of that. And where can people find you if they want to get involved? I know you have your Facebook groups, but I put them in the show notes as well. Um, But you're like website, best way to get so my website, drrobinmckay.com, D-R-R-O-B-Y-N-M-C-K-A-Y.com. 
And I'm on Insta at Dr. Uh, Dr. Robin McKay and Facebook just under my name, Robin McKay. And you can hang out with me there as well. And you know, my favorite place really at this point is LinkedIn, just because that's where a lot of the professional women are coming over to get professional development and training and to see about finding new jobs and things like that. So you can just search my name in LinkedIn and find me over there. Mm -hmm. So that's where you can track me down Great. and I'll look forward to meeting all of you and to continuing to get to know you as well. And you also have on your site, a leadership quiz. I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's a free quiz where you can find out what type of leader you are. Can you think the, talk about that a little more? Yeah. I love that quiz. I think that the best way to figure out what your purpose is to figure out what your next step is, is to know yourself best. And the best way that I know to do that is to support you in terms of understanding what your leadership style is. This quiz is based on a larger leadership assessment that I can give because of my credentials. So when somebody starts working with me, they get the full-blown five-factor assessment of their personalities. This is a little snapshot quiz that will, will answer the question, are you a competitive leader? Are you a visionary leader? Are you a quiet leader? Are you a collaborative leader? And then based on what your leadership style is, now you can kind of tune into what's my best way forward, given who I am, what is my best way forward to actualizing my heart's desires. So that is such a fun quiz. It's something that I love getting, I love seeing what your results are because it tells me so much about you. And I kind of start getting downloads for people as I, as I read their results as well. So that's a fun quiz to take. And it's also besides being fun, because I know that we don't always do everything for fun, especially when it comes to our professional lives. It's also very informative and it gets down into even what your sole purpose is based on your leadership style. Yeah, I took it and it really spoke to me. It was very accurate and it really spoke to me. What was your heart. result? I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to send it to you. Um, yeah, we'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, but it was, it was really accurate and it just made my heart yeah. expand and made me, yeah, excited. I think the more we can know about ourselves, the easier it is to navigate this I'm never sure if I'm in the matrix or in the hunger games, but whatever it is, the better I know myself, the easier it is for me to navigate it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find that right now while we're on <laughs> quiz. What would it be under? Nancy. Oh, visionary. You're a visionary leader. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So as a visionary leader, you are a way shower and as a way shower, you are assigned right now to contribute to creating the future. So welcome to your assignment. Thank you. I am taking, um, it sounds absolutely correct. And I'm really excited to start leading the way for others to be a lighthouse for everybody, for yeah. everybody that is on that path. Like, yeah. You know, I think that it's so important for the visionary leaders in particular to hold the vision of what's possible for the future. This mm -hmm. is probably one of the reasons that, the way that real estate was being done when you were in it and in the grit and grind of it didn't work for you because you could actually see a new way, mm -hmm. but there wasn't enough support for that new way to have you articulate it or actualize it at the time. But as a way shower, I really believe that 
one of our jobs is to create the future of our field. So whether it's you not saying that you would do this, but just as an example, if you were in love with real estate, perhaps you are somebody who is, is assigned to creating the future of real estate mm-hmm. or creating the future of what it means to be a woman in real estate, for mm-hmm. example. For me, you know, whether it's psychology or entrepreneurship or transformational coaching, one of the things that I know for sure is that I can see around corners and I can see what's possible. And I'm creating the future of those fields just as part of my assignment for for this time in the world. Mm -hmm. We all have an assignment. Mm -hmm. As soon as you know what it is, it kind of drops in for you. And then you always have a choice. But I find that when you choose against what your natural flow is, it kind of makes life miserable. Mm-hmm. I think we've had enough misery and it's time to start enlivening our work and enlivening our lives with our flow and with our contributions mm-hmm. and the things that we came here to master in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I was thrown into that survivorship, survival, because if I didn't make a sale, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have money in the bank account. I'm not making any money. And so that threw me out of flow mm-hmm. into the grasping I was holding mm-hmm. on instead of when, as soon as I let that go and allowed something else in, things began to shift. I mean, I moved into something else. Doesn't mean I'm not going to move into that at a later date. So it's just kind of set aside and. and yeah. yeah I think, remember I said, it's, we're in a place right now. We, where we can transform our relationship with time, money, and work and whichever one you choose, it will by nature, just transform the other two as well. So Mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see for you. We'll Mm. see for everybody. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Before we go, um, I'm going to just read something, a quote that I just saw that I absolutely love. And I think it really uh, relates to everything that we're talking about today. And then I'll ask the last question that I always ask everybody at the end of the podcast. So there's this beautiful quote. It says that the divine feminine is the most attractive, magnetic, and powerful force in the world. It charms and seduces with seductive power, not with brute force. Therefore, it cannot be controlled. This is why they want to destroy it. Not to end on a bad note, but there's a lot of forces at work to try to keep us down. But as we know, it's they're not going to be allowed to keep us down because we are coming into our full power with leaders such as yourself and all the lighthouses that are helping lead the way for this whole new earth, this whole new way of doing things. And it's an exciting time and um, there's going to be some beautiful new beginnings because of it. For sure. Yes. And with that, I'm going to ask you the last question. So what does it mean since we're talking about leadership? um, What does it mean for you to lead with an awakened heart. I don't quote the Bible very often, but when I do, I love this verse that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, may the eyes of your heart be enlightened. And when I think about leading now and in the future, I think that it comes back to what was attributed to Einstein years ago, who's said to have said, intuition is a sacred gift and reason is its faithful servant. We've created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. When we operate from an enlightened heart, when the eyes of our hearts are open, we're actually able to see things through the lens of compassion, the lens of kindness, and the most powerful frequency in the universe, which is love. 
And I believe that that is the awakened heart. It's the enlightened heart and it's the enlivened heart. The one that is the way shower that moves us into the future that helps to build the bridge to what's next. And certainly is not simply just going to recreate whatever we've experienced in the past, but to reset and to reimagine what's possible for us as people, as human beings now and in the future. That is so beautiful and really resonates, really resonates. That's beautiful. Well, Robin, thank you so much for joining us today and giving all your insights and stories and really helping to lead the way for the next generation of women and to help them really rest in this beautiful feminine energy that is a part of all of us, that is a gift to the world and is inherent in all of us women of the world. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Awaken Heart Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, head on over to your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me at the awakenheartpodcast.com.